Welcome in. Guess what? Tonight marks season four. I can't believe we are rolling into the fourth season of this podcast. Now, season three was kind of sketchy, kind of hit and miss, had a lot of personal things going on, but I am in full swing and so ready for season four. And guess what? We are starting it off with a bang. I have an amazing guest with me tonight. Her name is Monica Oximet. She is an Olympic medalist, she's a model, she's a content creator, social media personality, she's freaking awesome. So I hope after this episode, if you don't know who she is, I hope you go find out who she is, go follow and support her. Now in tonight's episode, there was quite some humor because I'm sitting in my Airbnb in Utah and kind of a cool setup, I do have my own little desk in here, but the chair is really, really squeaky. And I kept battling this chair during the podcast. Um, So if you hear some squeakiness in the background, it's just this chair. Try and block it out. You're going to really enjoy this episode. So with that said, sit back and enjoy the next 40 minutes and welcome Monica Aksamatz. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey friends, welcome in. It is Tuesday and you know what that means. It is time for another episode of Living with Gratitude. And tonight I have a special guest and it's been, gosh, it's been probably uh, over a year before I've had a guest with some personal things going on in my life, but she is absolutely incredible. She's an Olympic fencer. I'm going to let her talk about her background because I don't want to botch this, all of her accomplishments. We're going to get into that. We're going to have some dating talk because she has some really funny dating content on her TikTok and we banter about her dating experiences and me being the relationship and dating guy how fitting is that and without further ado please welcome in monica axamut and did i say your name right uh axamut you were close okay don't don't punch me too hard don't don't no, okay. me with the fencing like don't 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 like hit me too hard it's okay everyone messes it up or most people at least so it's i'm used to it so the first question I want to ask you, because I'm really intrigued, I, I looked up some of the background, some of the medals that you've won. How many gold or bronze or how many times have you been in the Olympics? What does your medal, you know, uh, background look like? Um, so I went to, I went only to Rio. I have a bronze medal from Rio. 
uh, I did try to qualify for Tokyo, but obviously we had COVID uh, and then they delayed it by a year. And then we were supposed to have one more Olympic qualifier, but they actually just canceled it. Um, a whole lot of uh, corruption is actually happening in the Olympics and fencing specifically. So they canceled our last qualifier. Um, so they, it was it was pretty heartbreaking, honestly, because I mean, I didn't even have like the last opportunity to try to qualify. So I definitely struggled with that for a long time. Um, probably still not over it, might never be over it. Yeah, uh, and, you, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I have a gold medal from Pan American Games. That is dope. That was in, I think I looked that up, I was in 2020. That was last year, right? No, that was in 2019. Okay, 2019. So, so pre COVID. Yeah, pre COVID. All my medals are pre-COVID. Post-COVID, um, I never recovered. <laughs> well, I love I love a good uh corruption conspiracy talk. You want to tell me, like, or you don't want to talk about what what's this corruption you're talking about? Um, so honestly, I can't really get too into it. I need to um like it's to the point where I, I I'm a little like concerned about my safety. Oh. Um, it goes a little deep and I actually am talking in regards to doing a documentary with a friend and we were talking about it. And he's like, okay, well, we need to figure out how to navigate this if we want to tackle this because that is starting to enter dangerous territory. Um, but I can say that one of the oligarchs that was sanctioned for the Ukrainian war, um, he was the president of our international fencing federation. Okay. So I think that kind of, um, breaks things down for you pretty quickly. Yeah, that gives away just enough that doesn't get yeah. you in trouble and, and lets other people's minds turn. They can look up their own information, right? Exactly. And there's actually not that much information on said individual um, because he is one of Putin's henchmen. And yeah, if you want articles, you message me. I found a lot of them. My friends call me the FBI for a reason. That is very interesting. I'm not going to put that one past you. We, we won't dive too deep into that. How did you get into fencing? So, I mean, I, I everybody has their niche, right? Like people ask me, the how did you get into relationships and dating? Why would you do that? That's a lot of emotion. And I have my story, but I want to know your story. When did you decide, hey, I want to be an Olympic fencer? Um, so Olympic fencer came down the like further down the line, but I wanted to, I mean, I actually really, my mom was the one that, who, whose idea it was. So my first fencing coach was a client, the bank my mom worked at. My mom's an immigrant. Uh, fresh off the boat. So he told her, you know, it's a great scholarship opportunity. You should bring her in. And I was, I think it was a, this was about right when my parents were, their divorce was starting or like I could feel it coming because they were fighting all the time. So I think it was like the perfect outlet for me as a kid to be like going in and hitting other children. And <laughs> I think definitely for that reason, I fell in love with it. And also, I mean, you were uh, scolded at school for hitting children. I was applauded. So it kind of made sense. How ironic, right? Right. Yeah. And what what age did you did you say you started that? I started at the age of eight or nine. My mom and I have a debate about that. We're not really sure. Uh, and then I decided I wanted to go to the Olympics in 2004 when I was watching the Athens Greece Olympics. Right. And my actually my Rio teammate was the first woman to medal in our event. That it was the first time it ever happened. And I watched her do it. And I was like, I want to compete at the Olympics. Wow. So, yeah. and how, how young are you right now? Uh, I'm 33. You see how I flipped that? Cause you never asked the lady how old she is. You know, Back so I was like, like, wait, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling inclined to answer why. See, so, you've, so you've been fencing most of your life. Yeah. 22 years. 
what would see what would you say is your favorite i know i know you're highly competitive but what is like the highlight of your career you talked about um the, the pan am games you talked about um the olympic you know pre covid olympics what is like the highlight of your career um i mean it's hard not to say the olympics um because obviously like that was a lifelong dream that i accomplished but uh i guess another part my last competition i actually won gold um so that kind of like you know that feels good and it's good to think about and it was a really actually rough day I had a lot of really strong opponents in front of me and uh I feel like I can say very confidently that had I competed that day at the Olympics I would have okay without corruption I think I would have walked away with gold like I was on fire there was no beating me everything made sense like they call it what is that there's like, I don't know, that sweet, sweet spot for athletes where you just, everything just kind of makes sense. And it's like flowing in the right speed. Flow and state. that's where the flow state, yeah. right? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. The flow state. So, okay. So with that said, I have another question. I saw one of your TikToks and it was one that went viral and it talked about um, how much you make, you know, so there was like Singapore, there was United States. Now, are you saying that's how much you make if the Olympics is there or that's how much each? So like you represent the United States, that person that represents Singapore, what does that breakdown look like? That's, that's what they receive for a medal. So if a Singaporean uh, receives a, or they win a gold medal, if I remember correctly, it's definitely 700,000 something US dollars. Yeah. yeah. And then um, in the US, it changed in Rio, I think it was 25,000. And then for Tokyo, I believe they they moved it up to 34,000. But I mean, that's such a difference. And then there's like oh, yeah. arguments of like, well, there's a lot more medalists in America than are in Singapore. But it's also like, okay, so I'm penalized because there's more athletes and more medals. Right. So for that reason, I should be earning less like that's such that's a, such an American way of thinking about things. But yeah. Yeah, we do have interesting uh, cultural differences, that's for sure. Yeah, I my friend posted today, not to get into politics and stuff, but like, I guess this Very goes good. on with it, where um, he was like, you can compare how much the CEO of each car company earns or present or whatever. And in like for BMW, which is obviously a European brand, and then the Asian brands, it was like seven, eight, four million. Like that was kind of like the numbers. And in America, it's like 28 million. Yeah. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. Yeah, that that's a big time problem. Why do you need to be earning twenty eight million a year? Is my question. But it's like with anything with all that money. Yeah, it's like with anything. We look at all these athletes, right? And you look back pre two thousands, how much money professional athletes made, and then like early two thousands, everything changed. Baseball, all your four major sports in the United States, no loyalty anymore. Players are not loyal. They stay with the team for maybe one to three years, and then they bounce. And and they don't give a, they they don't give a shit about the team they really don't and oh my. yeah it's and it's ruined everything well then not that, to top it off you have the sports betting which has ruined sports everything's fixed now I mean I'm not trying to go down conspiracy road but you watch like a football game a baseball game and you're like this is happening every game but up until about ten years ago this happened like one out of every thirty games it's crazy yeah it's just. Yeah. It's just, it's mind boggling. It's really destroyed the sport. Um, my last one. And then I want to branch into dating because I have so many dating stuff for you. Um, teammates. I was curious when you go to the Olympics or like the Pan Am games, how many um, represent the U S for fencing? Like how many represented the U S for fencing um, for the Olympics? Um, so I think it should be 
we have four we have three weapons there's four people on each team i'm really not that great in math so someone else is gonna have to figure that out for me so okay so four people uh three teams what that's 12 right sure anyways um, i think you're good yeah, I think 24. I want to say 24 originally, but that felt wrong. So it's 24. So it's, yeah, there's three weapons. No, it's going to be more than that. There's three weapons. No, correct. 24. Okay. Sticking to that. So three weapons, and then there's four people on each team, and then there's men and women. That's that's quite a bit, actually. I would think it'd be less than that. Yeah. And then you have a sparring partner. So we brought sparring partners um, to the Olympics as well. Not that many, but. Interesting. Now, is that the same I, I mean i don't know if you're gonna know this answer or not but for every sport do they have different numbers that actually get to go right okay yeah because yeah, it's like gymnastics what do you have like fam- fabulous five and then there was like something six or something i don't remember yeah there's a lot in gymnastics though it seems like that has the most teammates in it. that and um like triathlon like track stuff seems like they have the most teammates yeah like hurdles it's you have like the team and stuff and there's, I mean, there are so many running events in general and swimming events. So you're going to bring a lot of, a lot of uh, athletes. Yeah. There's a lot of that. Well, thanks. I, I I appreciate that info. And that also gives people kind of an idea of where you've came from and your background. And now we're going to branch into this dating. So oh, it's interesting. <laughs> I, I don't know how long you've followed me. Um, and I, I was in your live last night, had a really good conversation, which by the way, you had one of the most authentic, genuine lives I've ever seen. Cause I try. Yes. You're welcome. I, um, the best I can. I try when I see somebody live or somebody that I know, I always go in and I try and hype them up. You know, it's like, I I wish you a great live, lots of new friends. And it's disheartening to see the amount of, I, I get it too. In my lives, the amount of trolls, the amount of hurt people that are on there hurting people. It's just, and you didn't have that. I think you had like one person come in. That was really kind of disruptive, but overall you had one of the most pure lives I've ever seen. It was awesome. So I wanted to. Nice, thank you. I think it also depends. I've definitely had lives where there were a lot of trolls, but it, I think it got like on whatever, on like an off day, it'll happen, but I'm pretty fortunate where it doesn't happen like that. Yeah, you are. Cause it's just, it's draining for me. Absolutely draining. So are you currently, are you currently dating somebody? What does your dating life look like right now? Um, so I am talking to people, um, which is a weird thing. It's not the way that I normally have, um, handled dating and stuff. Like I am typically like, I, when I date one person, I can't be interested in other people. It doesn't really work that way, but I guess, I don't know. I feel like at this point I've been so traumatized that I don't even know, like if I'm capable of like, like letting my guard down because it's been, it's been a lot. I don't know how many TikToks you've seen. Uh, I took a break for a while, but my least, my last relationship, I dated a narcissist. He himself admitted to being one. Sounds um, like. Yeah. Um, he, but he's also told me that he was in college, but then he wasn't when in his five-year relationship after college. And then when he was single again, it, it came up, but he he's not currently a narcissist. So That's it's impossible, it's by the way. Yeah, that's what I thought, but then I told someone, they're like, yeah, that's literally what a narcissist would say, but um, the quickest way to, he made my life a living hell after we broke up, Um, so we are on a lease together still, and he just, he, he literally out of nowhere just said, I want to break up, there was no conversation ever before, like, I'm unhappy, like, these are the issues, blah, 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 we were together for over a year and a half, 
Um, and he just like, whatever said he wants to break up. And then he tried to kiss me on the forehead. Goodbye. It was the weirdest thing ever. What does uh, he do? He, uh, he's has a PhD. He and I was a job in Minneapolis from what I understand. I don't really know what the job is in. Hmm. Um, but he could not move his things out. He came, okay. So he went to on vacation with his family. I was supposed to go on vacation also, but obviously we, we broke up. And while he was on vacation, he turned off the Wi-Fi in the apartment and I'm on the 32nd floor. So there's no like reception. Way up so, there. right. So while on vacation, he's thinking about how to make my life miserable. So turns off the Wi-Fi. Um, he then came back once to take some things, but couldn't take everything. So he took the power cable for the TV he took the handle for the espresso machine, which I was basically the only person that used the espresso machine. That sounds um, like a narcissistic move. Right. And then I I was really, really distraught. I went through the ringer, like definitely trauma bonded. But what really cured me of things is, so when we started dating, he was doing casual dating, which I knew about. Um, and that was uh, in December of 2021. He moved out of his apartment in J July, 2022. And then we moved into this apartment in February so tell me why in our nightstand, I found two pieces of pink post-it note paper of a drawn out calendar with girls' names and X's of when something sexual happened. Yikes. I went, I threw up in the bathroom and I immediately from that point on turned off all my feelings. So anyways, I'm very traumatized. <laughs> oh, I am so sorry you went through that. I, I yeah. just, And you know, not to take away from anything that you went through, but this is, I hear this a lot from my clients. It's an like, epidemic. I, my psychologist or my therapist told me that it's like, it's such a common thing these days. My, my friend literally just got broken up with or broke up with a narcissist. Um, it's, it's a, it's becoming to be a problem. And I'm kind of confused as to what's really, for me, it's my mom. My mom is a narcissist. So I gravitate towards them, unfortunately. Um, but I don't know what's creating them. And it's obviously in men. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes, it goes both ways. I see it happen on both sides. And when a woman becomes a narcissist, it's actually even worse. But unfortunately in this day and age, you have, you have a lot of asshole people in this world. You really yeah. do. And then you have a fraction, half of those asshole people are actually full-blown narcissists. And yeah. a lot of people don't know this, but the telltale sign, if you are de dealing with a narcissist or not, cause you know, they won't get diagnosed. Like it's very rare for them yeah. to go get diagnosed. But number one is they lack empathy, right? So if you, if they lack empathy, that is a number one telltale sign. Number two, they are master manipulators. Everything they do will manipulate a situation, which ties into number three, and that's gaslighting. So if they have those three things, you could probably bet they are a narcissist and not just an asshole. And yeah, but you know, it's crazy. It's really difficult. So I definitely saw it and I'm definitely sticking by, I think you are the person I saw this on. I don't know. There's a few like dating therapists because my content's dating. So like stuff like dating, whatever coaches comes up. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it was you of the three month rule. Oh, yeah, um, that's, me. that's me. And I'm definitely sticking to that from now on. Um, his was a little bit longer. His started coming out like between three and four months, but I had a full conversation where I said of like, you're a different person. Like this is night and day to the guy that I met. Like the guy that I met had empathy. He cared about my feelings, cared about what like tried, tried to understand me, wanted to understand me. But like, I was like, but this guy who I'm dealing with right now doesn't. And I said all of that. He came back and said, okay, you're not fulfilling my needs. I'm not fulfilling yours. We should break up. And I was like, wait, I was like, so it's just that easy for you to just leave. Like, are you kidding me? Like, 
Yeah. That's pathetic. And then he came back. He's like, well, okay, well, what are you upset about? And then he brought me back in. But like, he was the most understanding. He was such a great listener. I felt heard. Like my feelings felt valid all for all those months before until then that's when everything started to slowly start happening. Yeah. So that's what sucks. Like you don't, you can't see it for so long and then you're invested and you start making excuses for this person, but like you, you just can't for those first three, four months, you just cannot. And that's why, gosh, this, this chair I have, I'm just, I'm real. Like I don't edit nothing. Like people are going to hear this squeaky chair. I don't care. I just keep going. Um, This is not my chair. I'm in an Airbnb, by the way, whoever's listening. So don't make fun of me or you can make fun of me. Um, trying to have some humor with this, but that's why I, I do the three month rule because psychologically, scientifically, medically, you have oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine, and all three of those hormones are firing at once when you meet somebody, right? Yeah. And what happens is your prefrontal cortex gets shut down. And psychologically, again, it takes about three months for those chemicals to start to be like, okay, okay, okay. And then by that time you're like, holy shit, this person wasn't this way before. Yeah. And very rarely does it happen to where, wow, they're really, they're still the same. Okay. And that's why if you make it past that three month mark, I'm going to say about 70% of the time it will work because two people are being authentic, but you got that 30% that it's like, that, that's a high number. That's a pretty high yeah. number of yeah. people that can't be authentic, you know? And it's crazy. Cause I mean, I don't know. I, and also it sucks too for narcissists they prey on empathetic people because yes. like he at, the, he at the end of our relationship like he again he put me through the ringer he then like he blamed everything on me so here i am like beating myself up i went through hell and back i bet you did you all right i'm gonna take his that i have a dog toy oh can you wait i'll give it to you after I didn't, I didn't know if you were, uh, if it was making you emotional, which is totally fine if it is. No, 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 no. I've gone through it. Um, It was just this squeaky toy. But so he, yeah, he put me like, he blamed it all on me. I went through hell and back. I mean, I, there was like, the only reason I left the apartment was for the dogs. I remember I like for two days, I ordered pizza and I just didn't do anything. I was, I was depressed. Um, But I mean, I was trauma bonded. So it makes sense. And I just like kept going through it. I kept blaming myself, like whatever. And we had two conversations. Um, and like, I wrote out letters of all these different things, whatever. And he's like, yeah, you know, like I did not, like, I didn't think you were capable of all this self-awareness. Like I didn't think that was something that you could do, Ooh. which damn, like, okay. Um, and then he's like, yeah, I'm gonna me. yeah. And he's like, yeah, like, I'm gonna have to think about this. Like you really like, like you've made it clear that if we got back together, like things would be perfect. But like, I don't know if that's what I want. No, you can't. Like, no, you, you can't look for happiness in the same place that you lost it. I mean, I, I was because of like the state that I was in. Um, But yeah. And then I obviously like turned off my, or not that I turned off my feelings, but I started to like see everything. And that's when he was like, well, you know, like I'm starting to think like, I, maybe I regret this decision. Maybe I did the wrong thing. And I was like, I'm grateful you did it. Like I'm out. And he's like, well, you're a narcissist. What, what is wrong with you? They do that. Yeah. 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 That's the gaslighting, right? It's like, yeah. I'm not the bad guy. You're the bad guy. Yeah. So how long ago was this? Um, It was beginning of July that he broke up with me. So like fresh. Uh, It doesn't feel that fresh to me. It feels like this happened months ago at this point. Because you've been Just emotionally this- detached. 
Yeah. Like I said, the calendar cured me of everything. Like I remember I was in such a bad place and I found that calendar. And even like when I started putting pieces together that he was a narcissist and my therapist like read off, like I read conversations and she said emotional blackmail, manipulation, gaslighting, um, finger pointing. I forget what else. Like I wrote out all these things. I'm like, I need to reread this. Um, and then I found that calendar. That's when I was like, I am out. Like she also compared it to a murderer. That was what did it to me. But you know like what, just like psychologically, it is very close. That's not a bad analogy. Yeah. And she said, that. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, that's so, uh, I'm sorry you went through that. I, I feel for that because, you know, me being an empath myself, when I hear these stories, it's just like, ah, oh, man, it's brutal. That's brutal. Yeah. And that's what I want to say. I forgot what I was, but he, anyway, he started like telling me stories differently than how they happened. And it, because I was like, oh, like, okay, yeah. like, yeah, you give them the benefit of the doubt. And I would sit back and go back into it and be like, that's not how it happened. And then I'd come back to him. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But like then this, and he would also flip it again. And I would again, reread the conversation or like read the conversation fully. And I was like, wait, again, that's not what happened. But because you give them the benefit of the doubt, you believe what they're saying. That's how they're able to do all this. It's scary. Terrifying. Like it's, it's it's scary. And what's scary is when you have two rational people, you know, that can, that can be empathetic, that can be rational. You, you look at behaviors like that and you're like, what planet am I on? Yeah. You, you literally question your own reality. You really yep. did. Yep. That's literally what happened to me. Like for like that week and a half, um, after, or I mean, throughout the relationship, I definitely would regularly. And I would call my sister and be like, am I, or my friend and be like, am I wrong for being upset? Yeah. Yeah, they do. We got in, we got into a massive fight over a piece of chocolate and he ruined his birthday and then told me that he has to mourn the loss of his birthday. And I remember like when that conversation was happening, I was like, I I don't think I can be with this person. Like you got mad at me over chocolate. And he's like, that's not why I got mad. I'm like, okay, I'm, I need to rethink this. You know, I bet a lot of people listening to our conversation, they're going to relate to because both sides are going to think, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only yep. one. All right. So the next thing, because you know, and I'm I'm gonna pick on you a little bit, and it's okay. You can you can punch Bye. for it later. But I always I always talk about emotional availability and length of time being single, right? And so you said you broke up in July. So in my eyes, you're still fresh, still that newly single, not the three month mark. You're not at the three month mark. How do you feel? Do you feel you should be dating? Do you feel you're emotionally available? What does your dating look like since you've ended it with this guy? Um, I mean, I've gone on dates. Um, I mean, I've been very, dis very busy. So like to be able to be fully emotionally invested in a person, um, is just not feasible at this moment in time. I'm kind of like, my schedule's kind of starting to clear up. Um, I don't know. I've been very deep in therapy, which I took a break for a while. Um, I personally think I'm ready, but I'm also, I don't know. It's hard to say because I know like I'm at a distance from any, from every situation. So I don't know if that's me being emotionally unavailable or it's me like really being traumatized and wanting to be like protect myself from everything. Now, do these guys know this? Have you told them that? Yeah, they know my, they, well, the one guy does the, it's funny. Cause it kind of started like not intentionally dating. Like we had a meeting, um, and then it kind of turned into like us actually talking afterwards. But literally the conversation started off with us talking about like our, our like past relationships, whatever, whatever. So he knows that whole story. Oh, cool. 
cool. Okay. I had to test you a little bit. Just want to see what your reaction would be. So um, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah. So I talk about this a lot and I am very firm. Like I, I have an open mind and an open heart at all times, but when I see, so if I put a hundred clients in a room and 90 of my clients do one thing, I'm going to go by that threshold, right? Because that's mm-hmm. 90%. So if I have 90% of clients that are single under a year and they try to date and then they come back to me and they say, Brandon, I'm not emotionally available. I don't know what I was doing. I met this amazing person and now I broke their heart. And now I'm, I set myself back 90% of the time when somebody's single under a year, they're not emotionally available. Now, 10%, that's a fair number, but it's a chance that me personally and professionally, I wouldn't risk. And I would say, yeah, so about 10% of people in my experience, because I know there's somebody on the listener right now going, gosh, damn it, Brandon, I, I met my dream person at four months. And that, and they might they might have, right? Yeah. But when you've got 10% versus the 90%, I'm going to take the 90%. And it can happen where somebody meets somebody fresh, but it's just such a such a low number because- we haven't mourned the previous relationship. And especially for women, women are very emotionally attached to things more than men can be. And if a woman hasn't emotionally mourned that relationship, whether it was good or bad, something's going to trigger her. And typically what I see, an interesting fact is a woman will be triggered during physical intimacy, during sex, something will, because it's such an emotional experience, right? And Uh so during the new person, so let's say, um, this person single a couple months, they sleep with somebody new, that new person, this emotion is going to get set off in her. And she's going to be like, holy shit, what am I doing? Like, I'm not ready for this. And that happens more times than not. Interesting. Um, but do you believe in the fact that women start to detach from their male partners, or it may be probably female partners from their partners, um, before they're even fully out of the relationship? hundred percent. 100%. I I totally agree with that. And I also see this is going to this is going to make your mind turn too. I see men or younger men more affected by breakups than I do women most of the time. I mean, I definitely think so and I definitely agree. Like my I was actually previously engaged and um he definitely I don't think was emotionally available. He also has a lot of psychological issues, maybe not psychological. Um he almost hung himself. Um he told me about that. Um, we broke up once I definitely was already out of the relationship because I kept asking, um, for like, for things of like, we are long distance. I was like, I need you to tell me that you love me more often, that you care about me, that I'm important, but he definitely has a lot of daddy issues. Um, he has never been to therapy. He doesn't believe in therapy. That's a problem. Um, I mean, I agree. And that's like, when we, when he told me that he almost hung himself and I was like, you need to talk to somebody. He got mad at me. Cause I didn't know what to say. And I never brought it up again. Cause I was like, yo, I don't know how to do it. What if you kill yourself because of our conversation? Um, and I was like, you need to talk to a specialist. Right. And he was like, no, I won't do that. And I was like, okay, well I, I can't be in this. Like, this is not for me. I'm not like, I'm not here to be your therapist. I'm not here to be your caretaker. You shouldn't. Uh, no. And he would, he would every three, four months try to end our relationship with like making the up previous guy? the what? Was this the guy before that you broke up with in July? No, this was my ex-fiance and we we ended things officially May 2020. Okay. So it was a while ago. Um, but yeah, every three every three, four months he would try to he would like make up reasons where I don't know, he told me that I'm materialistic. 
and and that I do Instagram. And I was like, you one, I'm not materialistic. Two, you've known about Instagram literally on our second date. Like you had a problem with it. That was the time to leave. Anyways, and he was like, then he was like, well, you go on red carpets. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And he's like, well, I don't want to go. And I was like, have I ever invited you to a red carpet? He's like, no, but you might one day. And I'm like, what? So, anyways, like this was like a repeated pattern in our relationship. Um, and then we officially broke up, and he didn't seem phased by it at all. Um, and then half a year later, when I did my podcast episode, he told me that he hasn't, like, he still hasn't seen anybody else. Like he, he thinks about me every single day, blah, 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 blah. blah. And I had already at that point, like moved on and whatever. Yeah. So he was definitely, he was definitely more affected by the breakup months later than I was. Yeah. It, it, I, I see it happen more times than not for sure. All right. I got two hot question for two hot questions for you. And then we're gonna get this get this wrapped up. Um, the first question, because this is a this is a hot dating thing that that I get into a lot. What do you think about staying friends with your exes? No, I think there is a certain point. Like if it is like if you went on like on a couple of dates, but I guess then you're not really an ex. Or like if it was, I don't know. Like I'm friends with a guy who we dated, but we were long distance, and I was like 15. And I'm still friends with him. Do I talk to him every day? No, but it, it gets, I don't know. There's like a point where it's, it's wrong. It doesn't make Why sense. Is you, Why is it wrong? Because you were like, you were in love with each other and you, you're, you never actually fully fall out of love with a person. So there's definitely still always going to be some kind of feelings involved with it. I think maybe after like a few years, you can be friends, but you can't be like best friends. I don't think. I think it's a red flag if somebody's really good friends with their friend with their ex still. Thank you, thank you. We're in alignment there. I I, I call it is your is your future more important than your past? Because so many people are attached to their past that they can't move forward with the future. And there's not many people that are going to be okay with you hanging out with your ex for the exact reasons that you said. Because once you open that door, you can't go back. They're they're an ex romantic yeah. partner. Yeah. I agree. So awesome. Yeah. I'm glad we're aligned there because I honestly thought that we weren't going to be aligned. Um, I don't know. Yeah. We are. So second question, and this is the hottest one that I get. Do you know what emotional cheating is? Yeah. When you, I mean, I, I think from what I've learned is everyone has different rules for it, um, but you can be texting with somebody or talking to somebody and be, I think there's like, like, there's like a surface level of flirting. Like I have a flirty personality, but then it can get to too far. So yeah, but if you're texting with somebody all the time while you're in a relationship, that's emotional cheating because you're getting validation from the other person. What do you think about emotional cheating in social media? Um, I mean, it definitely happens, but like, for example, I don't know, I was actually just talking to my friend about it, that he would, that he'll comment on his friend's bikini photos while being in a relationship and the girl girl was like freaking out and he's like yeah but like you like I literally support every single one of my friends like I'm not being like oh you're so hot. I'm not in her dms but I'm literally like writing like like there's different kinds of comments that you can leave agreed I had the I had the same thing happen to me I was seeing somebody long distance in New York last year 
and I validated her completely. She was upset because I had commented on one of my social media friends. It wasn't inappropriate or anything like that. I was just like, that bathing suit is fire. Like it fits you. I didn't say, hey, nice, nice booty, nice, nothing inappropriate. But she happened to see it because this person was another big creator as well. And she called me hysterical in tears. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, I see your point. That was me not thinking, not me not being self-aware. And I'm sorry you you saw it that way. And I'll be more cognizant of the things that I say. Because she was right. You know, like I would feel I would feel not so great if I saw her complimenting on men like that. But she also doesn't know the situation. But I'm not going to make her feel like she's crazy because of her feelings either. Right. I think it's a fine line of, I mean, she's definitely in, in the right, but she, I don't want to say she's in the wrong because I think there's a different, there's, there's a different way that it can be handled, but it's, I guess if you're not a creator, you don't really get this, like that kind of thing of like, I mean, like your, your engagement with my content helps me. And then you obviously like, it's an exchange, right. That of like, we're purpose, just kind of, like yeah. high-fiving each other. So yeah. it doesn't mean like, there's a lot of times where like my guy, whatever, or, like I write like, whatever I'll be like so hot but I don't think about any of it like in any kind of way romantically so for me being a creator I would want to understand it but I would hope that my partner would be like hey like I saw this comment can you let me know what your relationship is just like explain it to me like is this a thing like can I can not I don't know show me your dms like if you got I just I just want to feel better about it but I don't know that's how I would go about it totally fair okay so I kind of lied. I have one more aspect to this because this all ties into emotional cheating. Um, what are your thoughts on porn? Uh, I'm very anti-porn and I've had a lot of um, arguments with past partners about it where, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on it. First of all, porn is man-made. So it's like, I don't know, for me, it doesn't do anything. I don't watch porn, but also a lot of women like watch and they're like, I don't get it because it's the perspective of you railing a woman. And then talking to my guy friends too. And I was like, okay, well, like when you're watching porn, what's happening? And they've all told me across the board that they're imagining that they are having sex with this woman. So it's like, well, why do I want my man watching porn and pretending that he's sleeping with another woman while we're in a relationship? Like that's, I don't know. It's for me, it's bomb. Yeah. That it was created. We're like, all men watch porn. Like there's nothing wrong with it. But if you stop to think about it, there definitely is a lot wrong. I agree with you. We're aligned. Even as a man, a very sexual man, I'm extremely sexual with a very intense sex drive. And I'm not a fan of porn. And there is there is some classy porn. I think they call it like ethical porn, where there's actual couples that go on OnlyFans and they film themselves making love, having intimate sex. I, I could kind of get on board with that. But when you're watching like your, your normal rough dirty porn it's like that's dark energy that's sex magic it's real and i don't want anything to do with that in a, in yeah, a it's training for the women it's also just also so fake too so for me like i watch it i'm like i feel uncomfortable yeah like yeah. i don't none of this like and i'm like trying to find like the romantic one where there's some kind of i don't know for me like the sexiest scene that i've ever seen it's not even in a porn is atonement like their sex scene in the library is so hot because it's it's like, I don't know, it's classy, it's romantic, whatever, and it's not degrading. But then, like I said, you watch this porn, and I'm like, ugh, like, this just yeah. makes me cringe. Yeah, same, same, and I'm, and I'm yeah. a dude, you know? So, um, 
Yeah, that's just such an interesting world. Oh, look at the puppy. He wants to actually. I brought him back from Peru from what that was um Pan American Championships or games, that so whatever. Cool. That is so yeah. cool. Yeah, I saw them in your live session. So for those of you that aren't watching and you're just listening, she's got two adorable pups. One is I think a purebred Dalmatian. And what is the guy in front of you? He's actually 50% Dalmatian mix. Oh, how cool is that? I found him in Peru, had no idea, did the DNA test and of so course, I would go to Peru. Yeah, and I, of course, I would go to Peru and find the Dalmatian. That is so cool. That is a that is like a meant to be story because I asked you, I was like, "Are they siblings?" And you're like, "They are, but not by blood." I was like, "That's so cool." That is yeah. So cool. Well, you know what? It has been an absolute pleasure having you on. We might have to do this again. I want to. I also I like everybody to you know most people are going to know who you are. They hear your name. Okay, yeah, I know her. I follow her. I seen her in the Olympics. Whatever that looks like, right? But how can people connect with you? Go ahead and and let everybody know how they can connect with you and and what are your main platforms? Um, so I do uh, Instagram and TikTok. I did have a tick uh, a podcast which I am bringing back slowly. It was about dating and other stuff. Um, but on everything, you can just find me my first and last name Monica, uh, last name Axamit. And that's very simple that way. Awesome. And can they look for you? I think I saw business inquiries. What like you do modeling for clothing? What do you what do you do? Um, so I'm signed with uh, with Ford Models for content creation, but I also do modeling as well. Awesome. So for anybody looking, please look her up. She has great, funny content. Go support her. I recommend always anybody that's a guest on my show. I don't affiliate or associate with anybody that's not top notch. I hardly follow anyone. Monica is awesome. And with that said, if you love me, if you love this podcast, please, I don't ask for anything. Make sure you go to iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, Rocketcast, wherever you're listening to this podcast, take the 2.7 seconds, leave me a five-star review. I'm not even asking you for a write-up just a review. And by the way, don't forget my very first virtual course launched two days ago. There's still room for you. It's a guide to better dating. It's a 40 minute course, a whopping $30. If you can't afford $30, you shouldn't be dating. And I appreciate each and every one of you. Make it your mission to make somebody else's day better and stay blessed.